I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. This season, we are discussing Jennifer L. Armentrout's From Blood and Ash, all of the books in that series, plus the Flesh and Fire series as well. We are spoiler friendly, so listen at your own risk. Hello, fellow nerds. And welcome to our nerdiest thing. Today we are discussing From Blood and Ash chapters 17, 18, and 19. But before we get into it, Deb, will you please share our nerdiest cocktail? Of course. So tonight's cocktail is a gateway bourbon cocktail. You've heard of gateway drugs. This is a gateway bourbon cocktail. And if you've been listening, you know we live in Kentucky. All bourbon is made here. Right. It's amazing. So um, we, if you don't like bourbon, this is a really good one to start with. It's me. It's for Whitney. And she <laughs> she does like this cocktail. She's liked all the bourbon cocktails we've had. So They've, That's true. They have right. been the best bourbon cocktails. So if you've ever heard of a brown derby, this is making Muddle's take on that really, really yummy spring cocktail, the brown derby. So it's good for fighting on the rise recovery and super fresh with the juices. That's from our cocktail oh, evangelist. Oh my <laughs> cocktail evangelist. So naughty. it's called I Need Better Shoes. It's got bourbon and grapefruit juice and lime juice and the honey lavender elixir from Macon Muddle. And you're also going to need some fresh mint. So spring's around the corner. Hopefully you've got some of those, uh, what Claire Frazier would call herbs growing, <laughs> <laughs> growing in the window. They're herbs, Claire, for the record. They're not herbs. herbs They're herbs. Herbs sounds like that guy that you dated and was like the big nerd in college. And he, but he still tried to put it in your butt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. Hey, you've heard what Herb tries to do to you, right? Okay. So yeah. I did not have that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so the cocktail is called I Need Better Shoes. I do love that name. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, Mindy, will you please spin the wheel of names and let us know who's doing our nerdiest recap? I know you're going to be super excited about it. It's Deb. It's Deb! Oh, fuck! (laughs) Oh, shit. Here, let me get the 30 seconds. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'm not ready! It's too late! No, no, no! Okay. Set. Oh. oh my god, I have fucking no fucking clue. Okay, so um Hawk does corner Poppy and asks, What has what has he done to you? Which is one of our favorite tropes, right? Where the um he's asking about the Duke. And then he goes and tells Victor that she was out on the rise. Victor's pissed. And then all of a sudden the Duke and the Duchess are talking to all of Macedonia and they're giving a really, really horrible like speech on like how people should be terrified, even though they shouldn't be. And then someone goes, From blood and ash, we will rise and throws a hand up on the balcony very excellent <laughs> so excellent it's better than what i was gonna do <laughs> so speaking of speaking of excellent it was like from blood nash we will rise <laughs> apparently i live in california i was gonna say you did sound like a surfer boy when you said that. yeah i'm like super stoned and i'm like dude they've got from blood nash it's rad yeah, i was like it's like if bill and ted went to <laughs> bill and ted yeah. bill and ted go to solace <laughs> Sounds like another bonus episode. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, Jennifer Armentrout, we ship it. <laughs> Before we get into the details of the, these chapters, Mindy, will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I will. So 
in this chapter, we find out the Duchess's first name, which again, oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Like, I just. I missed that. What is it? It's Jacinda. 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 Like the Hakaranda trees. I was, just, I was trying to figure out how to pronounce it like well, that, but no. Hakasinda. <laughs> Interestingly enough, well, it is based on a flower, so we'll get to that. In Greek origins, it means beautiful. So that kind of tracks. Yeah, she is supposed to be beautiful. Um, and then in Spanish and Portuguese origins, it's a variation of Jacinta, which means hyacinth. So Ooh. it is a flower. And then, of course, I had to go to my floriography because I'm a big nerd like that. I was like just that. about to ask. Is that a thing? Is, is yeah. that flori- floriography? We talk about a lot of shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love you tons. But even outside of the podcast, we talk a lot. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So uh, there are, apparently are several different colors of hyacinth. So the blue ones signify constancy. I don't know about that. The purple signifies sorrow, or you give that to somebody if you want them to forgive you. Mm-hmm. She should want people but to She forgive. should. Red or pink means playful. I don't no. feel like the Duchess is playful at all. Wrong. White means unobtrusive loveliness, which I can... I feel like she's maybe a white hyacinth. And then yellow means jealousy. Okay. The Duchess is wearing yellow in this scene. I was going to ask, oh, do we know is? what she's wearing? She's wearing a yellow gown in this scene. So it means jealousy. Jealous of Poppy and her powers. Maybe? Because Ooh. she does start she does lying her it. ass off. And she flips out. Yeah, she does. Yeah, and she's she like, does. wait, can you can you feel what, I've, what I'm feeling right now? Because yeah. I have questions about that. I know. I, mm. I do too. I can't wait to get to that part. So anyway... In- very, very good catch, Deb. Well, because it was so pointed out that I was going to ask you guys why it was important that she was wearing yellow. Now we know. I Maybe now we know. Um, I did not know. And it was all yellow. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song? Is that Coldplay? It's yes. Coldplay, yeah. There. Yellow by Coldplay. Another curious kind of thing that I found was that in Greek symbolism, and I don't know why that's different than origins of the word. So it's not really right. etymology. It's more of a symbolic notion it means rashness and woe Ooh, that works exactly. for the duchess yes and then of course i had to go to my trusty urban dictionary and i was a little disappointed actually because everything was mostly positive i was like oh jacinda's this beautiful <laughs> lady and and she's like <laughs> no. wonderful and she's so sweet and I'm well like, she is so beautiful and i mean right, she she, she she does act sweet towards i was just poppy. Say, so, yeah. at this point she is a positive in poppy's life she doesn't actively do anything hurtful the way that the duke does right can i ask whenever um and this is us jumping forward a little bit whenever so we get through the right quote unquote and everyone's dead right and whenever jacinta and poppy are in the room Mm -hmm. with lord mazine and poppy loses her shit does jacinta survive yes okay so she's still like alive and kicking even through war of two queens no (laughs) no When does she die? Um, I was going to talk about it when we... Oh, let's okay. get there. Yeah, well, hang I was on. I've got one. Hold that. And hold yeah, that hold thought. thought. <laughs> um, so, but I did find one entry in the Urban Dictionary that was oddly accurate. And this is where how it went. And I, it's not talking about this book, I don't think. I mean, it, it's just, it wasn't... Actually, it said something about what you name your dog or something. <laughs> I know, I know, which I, did, I left off. But, but be, after that, it said, probably will, probably will not lead you very well and has teeth that might hurt you. 
but knows how to smile while suckers believe every bloody thing she says. Oh, wow. Maybe that is about that. What are they talking about if they're not talking about this? Or they've dated someone named Jacinta and they're like, fuck that bitch. oddly accurate. I I thought that might be exactly how you would describe it. I feel like everything negative on Urban Dictionary is someone broke up with them and they're like pissed off. It 100% is. Yeah, we should go on there and just fill in some shit. Urban Dictionary (laughs) entries. Yeah. So yes, that was Jacinda. I was gonna just say revenge entry, and then I was like, mm. that's, that's wrong. That's illegal. Like herb does. <laughs> no herb. Uh, herbs. Herbs. So, uh, giving context to the start of this series of chapters is the fight on the rise, right? Poppy and Hawk. Hawk found Poppy out on the rise. She was fighting against the Craven. Basically, can I? Can, is it safe to say that he got a rise? Oh, I think he definitely. Did. <laughs> I do. Sure I that, think she felt his rise. I was rise. gonna say. I think she says that she felt his rise, like when he pulled uh, her in close. At oh, there's something on my back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so um, she, he lets her go. She goes back to her room. So at the beginning of this uh, series of chapters, Hawk has just come in to Poppy's room and is like, "We need to talk." Except it was hot. Like, <laughs> we need to talk. You, hey, Tawny, leave me and my princess alone. Yeah, so basically their whole conversation is him trying to understand her, trying to understand why she went on on the rise, like what her motivation is, because at this point he still does not know very much about her, right? Like he has made a lot of assumptions about what he thinks the maiden is going to be like, and the more time he spends with her, the more he realizes that she is very different than what he thought. So he's trying to understand her and why she was out there, and he's also trying to get, like you said in the recap, he's trying to find out what's the deal with the Duke like there's something weird about that whole thing what is it I also think he's kind of trying to seduce her though so because the first thing he says is you have beautiful hair and then I wrote good lord after this this paragraph uh she's he says you have beautiful hair and she says is that what you wanted to talk about and he said not exactly then his gaze dipped and roamed slowly, starting at my shoulders, moving all the way down to the tips of my toes. His stare was heavy, almost like a touch, and a flush followed in his wake. And I swear to God I had an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had someone look at you like that? I mean, it is like palpable. You can like feel the sexual I, I tension in the room. I can't say that I have had anybody ever look at me like that, but... I Not felt, quite. I like felt Hawk. it. Maybe that's <laughs> why I, I was it. sluttier than you guys. <laughs> I just I think I didn't sweaty. turn anybody on that way. I think that you weren't paying attention <laughs> because you're beautiful and yes. amazing. And I've looked at you like that a bunch of times. <laughs> I'm looking at you like that right mm. now. <laughs> How do the tips of your toes feel right now? <laughs> kind of curling. <laughs> They're curling in your boots. <laughs> a perfect response. Um, I love this scene. I mean, I love all of the Hawk and Poppy scenes. The banter is just, yes. especially with Tawny. Have you really noticed, funny. too, that Tawny's just calling her princess now? I know. Yes. She's not she using her name at this point. Yeah, she immediately is like, yes, I enjoy that nickname, and I also will call you princess. Right, <laughs> and like smiles at Hawk every time she does it. Like, yeah, ha ha. It's hilarious. Um, I love how Hawk is basically like, this is one of the most important things that to have happened to you in a long time. And she's like, you have an overinflated sense of involvement in my life. If you really think that. And he says, I think I, I have a good grasp on just how much of a role I play in your life. <laughs> and the, I love the like meta. Yeah. 
what am I trying to say? The meta-ness? <laughs> that's not a word. Well, but. like the foreshadowing of... Thank you. Yeah. That's a much smarter way to say what I'm, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that foreshadowing is so meta. It's so meta because he's got this big grand plan, right? That she has no that idea That is not about. what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> well, he's got... That one of those too. too. He's, got, he's got something big and it's not his grand plan. <laughs> yeah, his plan is big, but so is his Whoa. dick. Dick. Um, anyway. <laughs> Dicks. There were a lot of things that I wrote LOL next to, and that was one of them of like, you know, she thinks he's being basically just arrogant. And yeah. he's like, no, I'm very important to you. And <laughs> neither one of them, even at this point, realize how important just, each of them are to well, each they, other. They right? kind of do, though. Like, they have this whole interchange where they're like, isn't it weird that we're so drawn to each other? Yeah. Isn't it weird that we're, you know... We're so comfortable like with yeah, each other. They're yeah, they're already starting to feel that heartmate bond. Well, I love... I always love a story when he falls first. Yeah, and he definitely too. falls first. Because, oh I mean... Oh, yeah. Immediately. He is so much like... He's like, you feel this, right? Like, you feel this connection we got going on <laughs> here? just me <laughs> um, what are and we she doesn't yeah. say it out loud but you but she thinks it oh which yeah. is hilarious 100%. also yeah um i wrote a lot of lols i wrote i love the description of tawny watching them go back and forth like she's whipping her head from one to the other like a tennis <laughs> like, well and she doesn't want to leave she's like well this right. is super entertaining yeah. why why do i have to leave if poppy's just gonna tell me later right yeah, yeah. And he's like just go <laughs> just let me have this conversation. gtfo yeah. please she's gonna tell you you're gonna find out eventually just let me do this um I, he's like trying to figure all this stuff out and he straight up tells her you are nothing like I expected yes. I wrote rut wrote because <laughs> that's part of the problem for him right yes. is mm -hmm. part of the reason that he's falling for her is because she's a really good person and she's really really strong and smart and funny and he did not and the complete opposite of what he well he thought she we've talked about this before was going to be shallow and not give a shit about anyone and yeah. kind of be on the ascended side of things and she's really not he probably she's, thought she was going to be like Lauren and whatever that were fainting. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's like, it'll be easy to snatch her up because she doesn't give a shit about anyone. And so why would I think of her as an important person? Right. Right. I'm not going to give a shit about her because right. she's not going to care about anybody else. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I wrote retro. <laughs> um, I, he's trying to figure out, okay, you're obviously you've been trained. So clearly Victor trained you. Right. Yeah. And clearly something weird is going on with the Duke. Like, tell me what's going on with that. And like, why are you out there on the rise? Why are you fighting against the Craven? And if you listen to the audiobook, which I very much think you should, even if you're doing like a read along and want to listen to the audio while you're reading, because I love the narrator for these Nina Stinson, which they change in the war of two Queens. And I'm like, why'd you do that? They added like a guy to it and I don't like him as much. But, like, he's literally like, what did he do to you? And you're like, I want to know, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Listen to the audiobook, folks. Last episode, I talked about a couple of little details about Hawk's facial expressions and, like, what that was about and how when she put the bow on her back, he, like, made a face. And I was saying, like, I think he's putting two and two together. And so I wrote in my notes from this chapter, I think that he definitely figured out that the Duke is abusing her out on the rise because it seems to me that this whole conversation of coming to talk to her is really just about trying to get her to talk about the Duke. Yeah, again, 100%. Right? 
and I um, kind of mentioned when we were talking about that too that maybe he also figured out that sh- that Victor was the one that trained her, and I yes. think he kind of did yeah. in that moment as well. And he can, yeah confirms that yeah. with her. Well, and she hisses in pain on the rise, and you know that he can hear everything. Mm-hmm. Well, later you find that out. So I mean, he right. knows she's in pain from yeah. something, and he also is like, "Well, why were you in your room for two days? Yeah, right. why didn't I see you for two days after well, and you were she summoned?" Talks in these chapters repeatedly about how observant he is Uh, and she's like i've got to remember how observant he is right well i wrote down you know he has only been around her personally for a few days Mm -hmm. and he's already noticed the weirdness with the duke he's noticed that she is not anything like the other girls in the court he sees her compassion he recognizes his her sympathy for him when they're talking at the Red Pearl. Like, she has genuine empathy for other people. He notices her defending Tawny at the risk of herself to him when he calls her, like, a servant or something. And she's like, no, she's my friend. He notices that she is upset with the Tulis conversation and that whole decision with the Duke and the Duchess. He sees her fighting skills and is able to put together, like, how that happened. And he sees her bravery both on the rise in the chapter before this, but also with Jericho, because he knows that whole situation, right? She just doesn't realize it yet. Um, but overall, he he sees that she is a decent person that cares about other people. And he, you know, I, I feel like anybody that spends any amount of time with Poppy sees that she's a decent person that right. cares about other people. Like, it doesn't take long to notice that if you are paying attention to mm-hmm. her. Um, and he is extremely observant. He mm-hmm. notices all this stuff, which again is like the, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh yeah. Yeah. For him, it's like, oh crap. This is not going to go the way that I thought it was going to go, which ends up being a really good thing, but it's kind of stressful yeah. for him and for Poppy for quite some time. Do you love too how in this chapter he, we find out, we see more of his penchant for violent women. Yeah, <laughs> I love that whole exchange where she's like, she's she stomps her foot, and he's like, "Well, did that make you feel better?" And she was like, "Well, I wanted to kick you," and he was like, "So violent." Yeah, <laughs> he loves every, every second of it. Yeah, um, they do talk like you were saying, Mindy, about the the weird like comfort level with each other, the weird feeling of familiarity, and you know, we've only known each other for a few days. That shouldn't be like that. And they both recognize it, and Poppy specifically is like, I wish she doesn't say this. She thinks it, but like, I wish that I could take that comfort feeling and like go further with it, but I can't because I'm the maiden. And she basically says to herself, the fact that I'm so disappointed that I can't do anything about it tells me that I've already like gone too far. Girl, you (laughs) fucked. Exactly. Like both both of them. And she knows that. Right. But she still doesn't want to pursue or yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible, vicious cycle to be in. Right. It's like, I know I've gone too far emotionally because I feel, I feel this bad way. for her. I know, but I'm not going to do anything. But I mean, she continues to go further emotionally with him. Yeah. And physically, too. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, when they talk about going out on the rise, she explains to him her background with what happened with her parents, the Craven attack, how she got her scars, which he did not know at this point. Cause in that uh, bonus chapter with his POV, he only knows that her parents have died, that she, she has a brother named Ian. And that's like all he knows about her. But it's crazy that Victor didn't tell him she was attacked by Craven. It seems like something that 
Victor would have Well, but told I think him. that's her story to tell because she actually mentions that only two other people, which I, I have a question about that. She says something about only two other people. No, he would be the third person to know about it. But doesn't, I mean, the Duke and the Duchess know about it, right? I think that they do know they about it. They just don't it. know the full story. Well, maybe? I don't know that Poppy knows that, that they, they know, know about, about it. Gotcha. At this point. Gotcha. So she's saying Tawny and Victor. Yes. I think Ian and Victor. Well, where does Tawny think the scars came from? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's true. I may be misremembering because I told you guys before we started recording, I've been rereading the whole series. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, wait, so, did we find this out? And we talked about this last week. I read ahead a chapter last week because I was like, <laughs> I can't stop now. And I was really struggling last week when we recorded because I was like, wait, did that happen yet? Right, exactly. God, these books are so good. Well, part of the secrecy of her scars is the fact that she was bit by a craven. Right. And, and she shouldn't have survived or she should, would, should have become a craven. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think part of it is that people think she was just clawed by the craven and not actually bitten. Okay. But in this conversation, she tells him that she got bit. Yeah. Right? Where was she bit? Her thigh? Her thigh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was this conversation. Yeah. I wonder if there's some sort of symbolism behind getting bit on your thigh because that also, like... We see that in Crescent City, too. It's like a major mm-hmm. artery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your femoral artery. Yeah. Yeah, because in um, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, book two. Well, uh, please tell everyone what this segment is called. Oh, this is from Blood and Ash Storytime. <laughs> <laughs> in book two, um, Cass is basically like, I want to have sex and bite you at the same time. And let me tell you about all these veins you have, which when you think about it is like That's some sexy talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ew. But when, when Cass, I did not when think you does it, it's like, it, it's yeah. not you when he does it. Tell but like me. when you, when you, I mean, if my husband said, let's talk about your veins that I would be like, no, he doesn't like talk. Gross. He doesn't really <laughs> talk about her veins. Well, no, he's just saying like, here are these different places that I could like, draw blood from you that mm-hmm. I think you would like. And one of them is the thigh yeah. and one of them is the clit. So. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not sad about it. No. <laughs> but yeah, so she... I've also never heard you say the word clit. I know. I, know. I second-guessed myself. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you went If for you it. had called it a bundle of nerves, we would have kicked you off the podcast. The apex of her thighs. <laughs> <laughs> My sensitive area. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so basically this whole conversation ends with Poppy sharing a really vulnerable piece of her life with Hawk and him understanding that. Because one of the things that she talks about a lot later throughout the next couple of books is how she loves the fact that Hawk didn't tell her, well, don't go back out on the rise. You shouldn't be out there. That's not safe for you. Like he understands where she's coming from. He gets why she feels the need to defend herself and other people. And he gives her advice on how to do it better Yeah. instead of trying to stop her from doing it at all. And that really means a lot to her. And it means a lot to him to find out this piece of truth of like how, how she became the way that she is. Right. So can we talk a little bit about how he's like, so I heard about this child of the gods that goes and helps people die with dignity, right? And it kind of starts the conversation about how she finds out that he's also been doing that, which brings them closer. I'd forgotten about that. But it's so cute when she's like, well, holy fuck, if you heard the rumor, who else is talking about it? And he even says that the guards like revere her and 
they would never turn her in because that's why they love her, not because she's the maiden. Ma- maiden. Um, the maiden. So, but <laughs> it's so funny whenever she's like, well, shit, if other people have heard about it. And he's like, let me reiterate. When I say I heard a rumor, it was because I asked. <laughs> right. no, they were talking directly to me. Yes. And I asked blatantly. <laughs> you well, because back to that bonus chapter, um, you know, before he meets her at all, Commander Jansen is like, everybody loves her and I don't know why. So he has taken it upon himself to figure out why. why. Yeah, yeah, like everybody loves this girl that they're not even supposed to like know anything about. So what's up with that? So yeah. And what's funny about it is, is what he loves about her is not necessarily what they love about her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she's showing him more of her life. True than, self. Yeah, yeah. Than almost anybody gets to see, right? It's basically like Victor and Tawny, but even Tawny, she doesn't share that much with right. because she still doesn't trust that Tawny's her actual friend right. and isn't going to go back and tell the Duchess stuff. So can we go back to the story she tells about the Craven attack? Cause I actually had a few questions. Mm-hmm. First thing she talks about how the inn smelled like cinnamon and cloves. Is there a significance there? Because it seems very odd that she would point that out. And I feel like that's something that later on she talks about. It's an emotion that smells like that. There might be. I remember when I made my PowerPoint before. Um, <laughs> yes. I did the same thing of like, she describes emotions as like flavors of food yeah. and stuff like that. But I didn't find anything that made a connection. Odd. But that I thought that was... the same thing. And then she also talks about how there's a woman that pulls Ian into a room and she just leaves Poppy there. And Poppy's like, well, because I wasn't going to go with her. But if I was somebody that was trying to save somebody, I'd be like, bitch, get in here. Like, yeah. she's she's leading him away. And then doesn't somebody gives him cookies or something later? Doesn't? I wonder if that woman knows that Poppy will survive, but Ian wouldn't. I don't know. We well, don't know anything more at this point about anybody else in that situation. Um, we don't even really know about her parents any, what, any more detail. What it made me wonder about was, was that woman planted there? Did she know things? And that was this all just a test to see if poppy could survive that attack or something no okay i'm just curious because it just was so weird it was very descriptive and it is do you love how confident whitney is <laughs> I know, but he's like no 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 you dumb bitch what no, no what is it, it like i know that. i'm joking what is it on how i met your mother whenever jennifer lopez is on there and she's like no you dumb bitch she doesn't love you like she wrote that book <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i don't remember that but. um i'm just kidding i really don't think that but you are very confident no <laughs> this is why i write these questions down because i know that whitney will be able to tell me yes or no. again so, what is this segment called from blood story, story time. time so through uh by the end of the war of two queens here's what we know about the night at the end so coralina is not her actual mom she was a handmaiden to isbeth isbeth had given poppy to coralina for her to pretend that Poppy was her daughter because she didn't, Isbeth didn't want anybody to know that she had a baby. So at some point, Coralina decided or found out, I guess, the plan for Poppy, which I'm assuming means that Coralina found out that Isbeth was working with Colas and that her plan was ultimately to sacrifice Poppy when she like hit the culling. So 
regardless of whatever, she found out a plan for Poppy and was like, yeah, we can't, I can't be a part of this. And she was trying to whisk her away and escape to Atlantia. So she and Leopold, Coralina and Leopold, wow, Leopold, got in touch with Alistair, who oh, I fucker. forgot who about at that. That this they were point was helping yeah. uh, smuggle people out right. of Solus, and they told him like who Poppy was and what she could do, which he immediately read saw it. as the harbinger of death, well, right? But also a descendant of Malek. He thought it was one of Malek's, like, descendants, which it kind of was, but not really. And so he was never going to take them to Solus. However, Alistair didn't actually have to do anything because Malek, Castile's brother, escaped from Carcedonia to kill Poppy. Right. Because he is heartmates with Millie. Right. And was trying to stop this whole plan from happening to like raise Colas and all that stuff. So he's the dark one in the inn. Mm-hmm. Um, he led the Craven to the inn to kill Poppy. Right. Not as a test, but like to kill her. Okay. Like to get rid of her. And Alistair just like let it happen. I don't think that he knew that it was Malik. Okay. That was the, the one Craven. That did, yeah. yeah. I don't think he knew that. Um, I think it was a really happy accident. Yes, and Alistair okay. was like, oh, oh okay, okay, cool. I'll yes. just go. Now I don't have to worry this. about it. Well, and so I think he thought until he met Poppy in book two, I think Alistair thought, well, the Craven killed them all and I, I'm done with that. Yeah. Now. And he did never put together that the maiden he heard about later was that same little girl. Okay. So it wasn't like, I, I don't, I would imagine that the people like the lady that was with the cookies and all that stuff, I feel like they were all dissenters just who were part of, helping. of like, they, they were just being helpful. Try They, they were well, probably part of a system of like, this was a place that if you were trying to get back to it, it was Atlantia. a safe space, like a safe space. Well, and yes. Coralina had Poppy and she's like, well, there's Ian without anyone protecting him. So I'm going to pull him into this room and protect that, him against yeah, the Craven. The lady, the lady that was there at the yeah. end pulled Ian. Right. Yeah. Here's another question that I'm, I'm not super certain about when, when is she, presented as the maiden is this before this attack after this attack when does that all come about because she's born in a shroud so like i don't think we know that for sure because when she when poppy is trying to remember she keeps having all these dreams about that night and is like i'm not sure what's real and what's not she says i can't remember like if she's very specific though about when the duke started giving her lessons which was around the age 13 i think Mm -hmm. so i assume that that's when she became the maiden. I think she became the maiden while she was still in Car because when Coralina and Leopold died, they took her back to Carcedonia to the capital, and she lived in the capital in the castle with Isbeth for several years. And then Isbeth sent her and Ian to Macedonia to the Tiermans. But I think that she was the maiden before she went to Macedonia, and it was he started abusing her like as soon as she got there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, I mean, I do think it's something that Jennifer Armentrout has not told us yet. There's a lot of confusion there still. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about it before, but I was like, so was she considered the maiden when she was here at the having in the middle of this attack and like Craven attack? Yeah. 
I don't know. See, that's the thing. She, it's not. Yeah. It's not clear. She says that she can't remember. Yeah. Well, which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think we know that yet. Is I'd it like to know? Is it Alistair or Malik that is using the pretty little poppy? It's neither. Right. It's Who neither. is it? It's, we don't know. It's Colas. Oh, it's is it Colas? Col- oh, it okay. is. Mm-hmm. Fucking Christ! I thought we were just supposed to think it was, but we weren't positive. I think that we're pretty sure. Are we sure? If okay. not a hundred percent positive, that it's okay. Colas. So let me bring the listeners back around because we've gotten off we on a tangent. So Poppy has nightmares about this craven attack, and during the attack in her dreams, someone is saying, "What a pretty little Poppy." pull the petals and watch it bleed or something like that. Pick it and watch it bleed. And you're supposed to think for a long time it was Alistair. And then you're supposed to think it was Malik. So why do we think it's Colas? Because in the war of two Queens, once we, when she is in the Capitol trying to get to Castile to free him, she hears that voice, like say something else to her. I can't remember what it is though, but she hears that voice again and recognizes it as that voice from her dream. And then later at the end of the book, we find out about Colas and the whole, like that's what Isbeth's whole goal is. And there, I would have to look it up specifically, but there's something there about finding out about Colas where it's like, Oh, that's the voice that she's been. Because I know you can do this. I would appreciate it if you would send me that chapter. <laughs> thank you because yeah, i would be like i would be like dude i'll never be able to find that but i know you'll be gone for five minutes tonight and you'll be like found it well and also one of the teasers that um jla recently released in the Landers group from a fire in the flesh which has colas as a major character mm-hmm. in it one of the teasers is somebody in that book saying that same thing about poppies like a pretty little poppy mm. and Serafina is like, that's super creepy. And like, that's the whole teaser. Ooh, weird. So I'm assuming that it's Colas that she's talking to, mm. but we don't know that for sure yet. We'll find out in December. Interesting. Whatever that is. Well, that since we've gone to Nash story time, <laughs> since we have uh, talked about the whole series in 15 minutes, can we take a quick cocktail break? I was just going to say, yes. I need a refill. Craft cocktails don't have to be fussy or ingredient heavy. Make and Muddle is here so that you can have a delicious three-ingredient cocktail every time. Spend more time reading and less time mixing. Make and Muddle, cocktail evangelist here to spread the good news about booze. So then in chapter 18, we find out that Hawk basically tattled to Victor that (laughs) Poppy was out on the rise, which I thought was just really funny. And Victor is like pretty mad. And again, Victor is kind of like Hawk where it's like, I understand why you are like this, but I wish that you wouldn't. Um, But he basically just like gives her a talking to basically. And it's like, please be more careful. Like, please don't give the Duke any more reason to mess with you. Um, And then we cut to the worst pep talk in the (laughs) the history of the world. The worst pep rally I've ever witnessed. It's horrible. (laughs) The Duke and the Duchess are basically... I mean, it really is kind of like giving a pep talk about like, yeah, guys, the Craven were here and they definitely made it to the top of the rise and it's 100% going to happen again. But what did you expect when you are horrible people? Like, that's basically what they say. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Can I point out that um, 
the Duchess or the Duke is like, because of the God's blessings, the rise didn't fall last night. And then Poppy's like, I wondered exactly how the God's blessing had kept the wall from falling. It had been the guards, men like the archer who had chosen death over allowing the craven to come over the top. And before I even read that sentence, I was like, um, the rise didn't fall really because of Poppy. Well, she yeah. was shooting the craven off of the yeah, archer towers. True. Well, and the Duke and the Duchess are really like giving themselves a lot of credit. Yeah, they're like, for, we talked to the gods and told them. Thing. Yeah, right. But well, also, I mean, are we supposed to assume that they're a lot like the Atlanteans where they can hear everything? Because Hawk is like, well, that'll surely ease fears. I honestly am not sure. I know that they're like super fast and super strong, but we don't see them having, we don't see evidence. What? I'm sorry. When you said that, all I could think was you're, ima- you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're unimaginably fast and strong. You never outrun me. <laughs> Say it out loud. You're an Atlantean. <laughs> yeah. We don't see them having super hearing or super eyesight or anything the way that's that we true. do the Atlanteans. So mm-hmm. I feel like they don't. I feel like they just have the strength and speed yeah. and stuff, but not really the sight and hearing. So can I talk a little bit about conspiracy theories? Because in this part, it talks, the Duchess is like, well, we've spoken to the gods. And I'm like, well, how fucking convenient, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time something goes against what the Duke and Duchess have told them or against the, what the Queen has said, they're like, oh, well, the gods said it was fine. For example, like Poppy taking off her veil, right? right They're yeah. like, oh, it'll be fine. The Don't Duke, worry about it. Yeah, the Duke's yeah. like, the gods will not have any problem with what we're doing here today. Right. While right. I beat you. I'm like, well, naked. how like, the, what? like, did you ask permission? Like, you know what I mean? Right. And so I really wanted to start thinking about conspiracy theories. And um, really, there is a lot that goes into this in the terms of, Later on in the book, there are a lot of dissenters that really hate Poppy because they're like, how could you not have known? You didn't see all of this happening. So in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about kind of what the Ascended said. But also, I want to point out that, like, that's your whole world and all you've been taught. Why would you question it ever? Well, and not only that, they assumed the same things about her that cast did right that right did about yeah. what kind of person she was well and they thought that she was just cool with it and she never was right, exactly. right okay so we've noticed that the ascended use fear as a control method we've talked about that several times but they also use like the incredu incredulity incredulity <laughs> yeah so they also use the incredulity <laughs> so they also use doubt (laughs) and treat the dissenters as though they must be crazy so i looked into some conspiracy theories that probably a lot of our listeners have heard of that actually ended up being true which is scary in itself right because we hear about conspiracy theories all the time and we're like well that can't be true and then some of this shit does actually happen so um the first ones of these were found on readersdigest.com and iflscience.com. I don't know what IFL stands for. I fucking love science. (laughs) Oh, I bet it is. I think it is. Um, I think it is. Okay, so we're going to play a game of true or false. Okay. 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 So (laughs) true or false. The CIA is testing LSD on Americans as a form of mind control and behavioral modification. True. I'm going to say true. True. The CIA started using 
LSD on test subjects without their knowledge, and it was a program that you've probably heard of called MKUltra. Yep. Right? So several people were left mentally disabled, and one even committed suicide due to these tests, right? And there's um, some really good podcast episodes if you ever want to look more fully into MKUltra, and even a book was written about it. Okay, number two, true or false? Big tobacco companies buried evidence for decades that cigarettes cause cancer. Oh, true. for sure. Very true. So Philip Mor- Morris found indisputable evidence that smoking caused lung cancer in the 1950s, but didn't disclose it until the 1990s. Wow. So 40 years they knew wow. that smoking caused lung cancer and didn't tell anybody. That is greed personified, everybody. Mm. Right. Okay, number three. Evidence of aliens is buried in the southwestern part of the United States. I'm going to say false on that. I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, because I don't think it's, well, I, I don't mean, know. Is Roswell 50, for Area 51 is like, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say true. So true. It's true, kind of. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Not the types of aliens you're thinking of. So there is evidence of ET buried in a landfill, but again, not the way you think. So Atari. And if you don't remember what Atari is, it was one of the first home gaming systems, right? It's where Pitfall came from and um, Pong and all of those. So Atari created an E.T. the extraterrestrial video game, but it failed so miserably that the company literally buried it in a landfill (laughs) in the Southwest. So, um, the Roswell thing, no one knows if that's true or not. So that's why I didn't even really go into that. Okay. True or false? Free health care from the government is being used to hurt you or was being used to hurt you. False? What do you think, men? I mean... I want to say false, but I feel like it's true. So the fear behind the COVID vaccine was for a reason. And and I'll tell you why. And this was something I already knew about. But looking more into it, I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so it is true. In the 1940s, people that were enrolled in something called the Tuskegee experiment were promised free health care if the government could monitor their health for six months. Mm -hmm. So they did get free health care, but they were never promised effective health care. So despite penicillin being readily available by the late 1940s, the people in the study were living with syphilis, which can be fatal without treatment. So participants were denied antibiotics until the 1970s. So 30 years, people in the study, they got free health care. They didn't get effective health care. So can I ask? A clarifying question mm-hmm. real quick. Did yeah. they give the people syphilis or did the people have syphilis? I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. So some people in the study already had syphilis. They had a control group of people without until they got syphilis. And then they moved them over to the syphilis group. So by the 1970s, 28 people had died from syphilis. 100 had passed away due to the disease's complications. And 40 stout spouses had been infected with the STD. That weren't even a part that, of the. That weren't even a part oh, of the group. Oh my gosh. Right. So yes, they were giving people syphilis. So also, nineteen children were diagnosed with syphilis at birth from mm. the birth canal. So to add insult to injury, this study was focused on the black community. Yeah, I've heard of and this. the reason that researchers claimed that it was okay is because they were trying to give the real life method of black people don't go to the doctor anyway. That was their reason behind it. Oh. So a lot of people are like, well, no wonder 
black people don't trust exactly. healthcare, right? It's insane. And this isn't, I mean, I'm not going to get into all this and I didn't go into deep research, but there's a whole um, story about another woman that had cervical cancer and they, um, she died and they used her cervical cells for research without permission. And like her whole family is like, what the fuck? You didn't have rights to her body to do that. So I forget what her name is. It's Henrietta something. I'll put it in the show notes, but um, it's a really kind of a scary story. Okay. So I've already mentioned that a lot of the dissenters don't really understand how Poppy couldn't see the deceit within the ascended. Right. And it just seems so easy from the outside, but there were a few clues that the dissenters conspiracy theory was true even if they had never been to Atlantia right so because a lot of people would be like oh well they've met an Atlantean or they've been to Atlantia a lot of these dissenters haven't been including the Tulises okay so number one the we know um that conspiracy conspiracies that are true use fear to control the populace right number two only certain people within Solus have spoken to the gods mm-hmm. in theory right the ascended can change the rules of the gods at their will mm. which we've already talked about the ascended are never punished for displeasing the gods mm. only the people that have not ascended which is a red flag the people who don't get to talk to the gods right, right. exactly no one sees the second and third sons and daughters after they're given to the gods which is a point that's made in this chapter where Castile's like well fuck if they would just show them to right. us we'd be fine Easy right yeah. because yeah. he's playing it cool even though we know at this point he's super pissed because right. he's like we're right and right. they have killed them right. and that's why you never see them. Okay. So, um, another big red flag is that the ascended will not explain the ascension or the right to Poppy mm-hmm. because they are using her. And then the last one is that no one in Solus is allowed to ask questions about any of these things. Yeah. Otherwise they suddenly become murdered or they go missing or they become right. a craven. So, you know, I think, it's really terrifying to know that in real life, these things that people are like, it's a conspiracy. Don't believe them have been people in power going like, no, 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 they're crazy. Don't listen to a word they're saying, which is essentially what the Duke and Duchess do. Even at the end of this chapter there, whenever the um, dissenter throws the hand up on the balcony, the Duke goes, Oh, well the gods just showed us one. And I'm like, no, that's not how that worked. He, he was pissed. Right. Yeah. And he wanted to throw Craven's hand at you, which I fully stand by. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, leading up to that, um, pop the hand throwing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw hands. Um, Can we call it the hand job from here on out? <laughs> leading up to the hand job. So, Poppy is her gift kind of like swells out of her without her control. And she's feeling anger, right? Which is exactly what happened at that like city hall meeting or whatever it was a few chapters back. And she's noticing the blonde man, which is the same guy from the meeting a few chapters before. Mm -hmm. And she's noticing some other people too. Like she's feeling that from other people. So she points it out to Victor who tries to point it out to Hawk and Hawk's like, yeah, I got it. (laughs) Bro, I've been watching five people move forward. Yeah, I've been watching him for the past 20 minutes. And so they're all like, hold on. Can I ask a clarifying question? We're supposed to 
later in the series, we know that these people aren't connected to Hawk, but they're using the the mantra of from blood and ash yes. we will rise. They're only connected to Hawk in that they're dissenters. They're dissenters. They support but Atlantia. he did not tell them to do this work. As, yeah, as far right. as we know, no. Um, so they're, everybody's starting, well, not everybody, Tawny and Poppy and Hawk and Victor are starting to get kind of like tense and nervous because they're seeing like something is happening. Um, and th- the guy, you know, starts yelling and throws the hand, um, which I wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down that he throws a craven hand up at the Duke. I wish he had hit him. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> so, what doesn't work here is I wish he had given the Duke a hand job. <laughs> Oh, right? I do not wish that. Oh my gosh. I kind of wish he'd gone up to him with the hand in his in his hand and like smacked him. The face like they, like, like they did with yeah. gloves yeah. in the duel, right? Like, you disgust me, sir. So go ahead. I'm- no, I was just gonna say one thing I really like just writing wise, I love that the guy that throws the hand is like, you are stealing and killing our babies. And I'm like, JLA is straight up telling us one of like the biggest plot twists of the whole story. And she just straight out tells us kind of close to the beginning of the book. But again, because we're still under this theory that they're crazy, we we believe... Right. We know something's up with the Duke and Duchess, but we're like, well, surely like they wouldn't, they're serving the gods. Just like Poppy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we've become the unreliable narrator. Because Poppy is like, I understand why people feel that way, but like that was taking it too far. Like accusing them of something like that without having any evidence. Like that's just not okay. And we, as the reader feel that exact same way. And so we get this huge plot twist and kind of brush it off. Is that in book four later that we actually find out in War of Two Queens that they are feeding on the kids? Or is that in well, um, Crown of Gilded Bones? That's the first time that they that she sees it um, in the temples like that. I feel like it like before it was kind of like still a rumor, right? If you're looking at it from Poppy's point of view, like they've told her, but she's like, okay, and she believes them. But I feel like in book four is when you're like, oh, fuck. I mean, yes, book four is the first time that she sees it firsthand in like in the temples with the priests and priestesses. But in book two. Oh, I forgot the priest and priestesses are eating them too. In book two, um, when... They're in New Haven and Lord Cheney and Ascended comes and tries to like get Poppy. He uses a kid. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, he like has a kid oh, that he's yeah. like, uh, like in chokehold or whatever. kind of like hostage situation. Yes. Yeah. And so Poppy is like, you let him go and I'll come with you. Right. And then she finds out later that he killed the kid. He still anyway. killed him. And, yeah. and Castile was like, I mean, he at least didn't feed on him, but he definitely still killed that yeah. kid. And right. So that's when she knows like, no, they for real do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't see it in the context of the religion. But even though JLA is telling us this all through three books, I feel like in book four, it's still a huge twist and to your point that like she yeah. keeps telling us this is happening and we're right. like we're like okay that's messed up and that's messed up but like, and then oh, in book, we're shocked when it when right but then in book true. four you're like what the fuck is happening right now well because in book four it's like a massive pit of yeah. bodies right <laughs> it's, it's so sad it's, it's not just well and also in book two um that lord cheney guy is he kills mrs tulis right and no one ever sees the baby 
Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh my God, that's fucked up. You don't see anything happen to the baby, but like Mrs. Toulis is back without her child and it's just like gone forever. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thanks a lot for that. You're not, you don't look sorry. (laughs) You know what's (laughs) ironic about Poppy going, well, why would you even say that without any evidence? She's been told things without evidence all her life but i think it's because she's questioning it she's like okay so help help like you need to show me this is essentially what she's saying alternative yeah i guess so but it it was just very ironic that that's what she said yeah i totally agree with that and i kind of wonder if where she's coming from with that is like well i'm supposed to believe this with no evidence so if you want me to not believe the thing I've been told my entire life, you have to give me evidence. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the burden of proof is on the people that are challenging her world. Challenging. Yeah, yeah. Challenging the status quo for sure. So I will say even rereading this and I have, this is my sixth read of this book. Um, and I just read these like two years ago, you all, but they, they are for me, my comfort read. Me too. Um, and so when it talks about throwing the hand up on the stage, be or the balcony because I've read these I literally wrote in my book this time I'm like oh my god is that Jericho's hand because I thought that would be (laughs) so rad and then it ended up being a Cravens like literally like four sentences later and I just wrote nope lol but I would have loved if that had been Jericho's Mm -hmm. hand that would have been perfect but it's also the first time that we hear from blood and ash we will rise which gave me goosebumps yeah i literally like did not even register that that was that the that first came out? time really that that was the first um, time that well we and they it. really we will learn later in this book really convolute what that means to the atlanteans and we find out the real meaning of it much much later don't they i mean they don't say it like a um a chant or whatever but don't they say the words from blood and ash we will rise when they're talking about the attack on rylan and poppy in the garden because wasn't it etched into the arrow? I think it was etched into the arrow, but we never heard anyone say I don't it. Think we heard like, this is the first time they really chant it like, as a this group. This is like essentially a battle cry, right? Mm-hmm. right. And so I wanted to kind of look into that um, because I thought, is it really like a battle cry or is it just sort of like a slogan? So I went to look for the definition of what a battle cry is. And it's a word, phrase, or sound that is shouted by soldiers in battle but it's also a phrase or saying that is used to make people support an idea or a cause. So that's kind of where I see it. And then another very cool definition I found was from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, The Dawn of the Dreadfuls by Steve Hawkinsmith. Uh, This is a quote from that book. A battle cry, Mr. Bennett said, is a warrior's calling card. Only it does not say, good afternoon, I have come for tea and crumpets. It says, death has come for you. Flee or be killed where you stand. Oh, my God. Jeez. I love that. <laughs> that. Did that give you a little bit That's of That's awesome. Yeah. I love that so, so like, much. I'm kind of picturing that now when he's saying that with his all his fervor. He's like, from blood and ash, we will rise. This is his. This is what he believes in. This is when you, this is the one phrase that takes everything that these dissenters are fighting for and believe in that they throw out there and they pack it all into this one phrase so it made me wonder like what are some other battle cries that we've had in like history well there's a couple movie ones i can think of well i've got some of them i'm sure you do we have a game later to play Ooh, so you know i like to win i know right so in history there were a few that i thought were really strange but kind of cool i don't know and surprising 
So the first one is the rebel yell, which is used by the Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. And it's debated what it actually sounded like, but some say it was a shrill yelp that resembled the call of a coyote. <laughs> Sounds about right. And then some say it was just like a banshee scream. And <laughs> 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 I was like, okay, so who wants to do it? <laughs> Isn't that, that's, a Bill, that's Billy Idol, right? What? Yeah. Rebel, Rebel Yell. Yell. Oh. Yeah. We want more, more, That's more. When you were like, we were not really sure what it sounded like. I wanted really badly. So it it no, sounds like Billy Idol. All I thought was Ross on Friends going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> But we also know that the Union Army veteran and writer Ambrose Bierce described it as the ugliest sound that any mortal ever heard. So can you imagine you're in battle and then so whatever this <laughs> is, I'm <laughs> Like, I'm just picturing it. I, it kind of makes me laugh. Well, it was a bunch like, of dumb white old dudes. Of course it sounded <laughs> stupid. It makes me think of Dumb and Dumber. Like, you want to hear the most annoying sound? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, and then you think, how? I mean, apparently it was sort of. It sort of worked. But I was who trying. Start, who started that? Okay, yeah. I, d- I don't want to go into your game to see if you put this one in here, but there is a show that we love that has a battle cry, but it's not actually words. So I want to see if it's in your game. Okay. It might not be because I think mine are all words. Also, there was a legendary Byzantine general named Flavius Belisarius, which is oh. super fun to say. Um, and he was a stickler for timing. And reportedly, and again, this is like speculation kind of because this was so long ago but reportedly he delayed a battle for days before suddenly calling to his troops quick while guide isn't watching hmm. <laughs> how did, became their battle was he in ascended where he's like it's cool i asked the gods yeah no I problem <laughs> so that was that his, he told me he was going to the cry. store real quick can you imagine being a troop though sitting there for days and days and days and then you're waiting for him to say quick while god isn't watching yeah like i want one. i want to like be a fly on the sword i guess um <laughs> <laughs> to be like well why does he think god's not watching see i feel like it would make me feel like like vulnerable you were, well you know what me, i mean it would make me feel like i'm doing something bad what do like, you I'm mean not, god's I'm not watching because i kind of need him to protect me know, right now that's how i feel like I'm, yeah yeah i don't think that I'm was like a strange that. one another one that i think everybody's probably heard of is bonsai so that was used to encourage Japanese soldiers to fight to death rather than surrender. And it's short for, for Tenno Haika Banzai, which means long live the emperor. And basically, inter- infantrymen were trained to make a last-ditch suicide attack when they were almost sure of defeat instead of just, like, they're just, it's like balls yeah. to the wall. So they were like the running suicide bombers, right. essentially. Well, it's like, it's, it was used by the kamikaze pilots um, mm. when they would fly their planes into enemy warships during World War II. So, well, and I just want to throw this out there that I've never heard of that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, my gosh. See, I so thought it was. So uh, that hasn't heard of that, don't feel bad. I haven't so, heard okay. of it either. No, that's okay. That's Mindy, okay. you're just so fucking smart. Well, the only reason, I, I think it was in Karate Kid. <laughs> No, the no, bonsai. you know what you know what they were saying, not a bonsai. They were saying wax on, yeah. wax off. The bonsai tree is very important. Well, but no, I because he said, but there's one time when um, Mr. Miyagi gets drunk and he's like going bonsai. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what oh I my, think of. that's what I think of. This one was my favorite. Before battle, Vikings would often invoke their warrior gods to give them the strength and power to defeat their enemies. And according to Norse mythology, in the very first war in the world, the god Odin flung a spear over the entire host gathered for the battle. And then the Viking 
kings and commanders would then copy that, having one warrior throw a spear over the enemy's heads, while the rest of the troops yelled, Odin owns you all. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that meant? O'Doyle rules! rules. (laughs) See, we're coming up with all kinds of fun battle cries. Those were some historical ones. But then I started thinking about pop culture ones, like you said, because that's where I always go. So, for example... Because we're going to make this a little quiz. I'm going I'm to say the battle cry. battle cry, and I want you all to tell me where it comes from. Oh, crap. <laughs> so, But, like, for example, Avengers Assemble. The obviously, Avengers. the Avengers. The Avengers. Okay, I'm going to give some easy ones first. May the Force be with you. Star Wars. Star Wars. Freedom! Braveheart. Yep. <laughs> this is my favorite. The, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power! Uh, uh, He-Man. Yes. One and She-Ra, because yeah. She-Ra was my... I, I was, she was my idol. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder twin powers activate. Wonder oh, twins. God. So you know, well, it's super, <laughs> it's super friends. Oh, yeah. No. Super, friends. super friends. Oh, Captain, my captain. Oh, that's uh, um, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. This one's easy. Ducks fly together. Mighty, Mighty ducks. ducks. That's my favorite. Quack, 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 quack. quack. <laughs> you guys are so cool. <laughs> Our nerdiest thing. Just a few more. Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Oh, that's uh, Friday Night Lights. Yep. Oh, I never watched that. Allons-y. Oh, that's Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, Cowabunga. Oh, Ninja Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Show me the money. Jerry Jerry Maguire. And suit up. Oh, uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, what yeah. was yours, Deb? Mine was, um, you did do um, Braveheart, which okay. is what I was thinking. And then I was thinking the one without words is my my main battle cry, I think, of like modern television in the last five years is Outlander. I was thinking When they're too, on yeah. the battle, on oh, the field yeah. for the Battle of Culloden. And their battle cry is so overwhelming. And I think it's the way that it's shot yeah. and the, the yeah. fact that um, Jamie, it's episode one one of season two or three 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 and he is laying dying in the middle of the field remembering this battle that they've had and remembering like sending claire back through the stones and it is first of all the way that they shoot sam hewan's eyes in that scene oh my god they're so fucking beautiful and then their battle cry is so emotional and then, like, trying so hard, it's right, to fight back. It is. Yes. It's an amazing piece of television. Well, and that, and that, I think that's sort of where the whole battle cry notion comes from, is it, it's that passion behind yeah. whatever it is you're fighting for or whatever it is that you're, whatever cause you're behind. And that's why when, I mean, I got goosebumps when he, when the guy threw that craven hand, like, he chucks it up there and says, from blood and ash, we will rise. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So like when it, when you yeah. first read it, you don't get that as much. But then when you realize where it comes from and like sort of and what it means, the feeling behind it when he says it and then when you learn what it really kind of started from, I don't know, it just gives me chills. Well, it's it goes it makes me think of book 2, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire when Blood Nash story time. Yeah, the like hundreds of royal guards are coming to Spess's end mm-hmm. and they're like super outnumbered. And Castile says to Poppy, they are paid to fight as soldiers, but we fight like with heart and it means something to yeah. us. And like, that's what from blood and like from blood and ash, we will rise. Yes. That's what it's all about. Right. Yep. Like fighting with heart. Um, 
Yeah, I did look it up at the beginning of your deep dive. They do talk about how the arrow is engraved with the Dark One's promise, but Poppy just thinks it. Yeah. So we uh, see the words. Okay. Yeah. We see the words. It's the first time it's arrive. screamed yes, in this but scene. Nobody had actually said it. It was just right. her thinking it out loud. Right. I mean, but here, um, my thought is a maker, someone who is a creative maker, is I'm like, who the fuck had time to carve that into the arrows? arrows? And into an arrow. Well, I guess that arrow was important for the record. And they did want people to think it was the dark one. So I think they thought that. Well, I know they thought that they would shoot Rylan and they would take Poppy so she wouldn't be there to tell the story. So they needed the arrow to be inscribed with the Dark One's motto. Well, that's so they true. would know uh, who had yeah, done I mean, it. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. a calling card. But I'm like, shit, they didn't have a laser back then. Who carved that in their arrows? <laughs> God, it takes a long time. And did it look like shit or did it look great? That's what I want to know. Oh, I'm sure. As a creative. Branded in. They had like yeah. A, everything, oh, yeah. Everything Hawk does. He does. It's great. Style. Yes. Yeah. Um, Not with style. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I really kind of zeroed in on the fact that it was a hand for some reason that got thrown. Because I'm like, why not anything else from a craven? Like, why not just a finger or. Or the head. Or Well, and I, right. I will be honest, as many times as I've read this, I remember before reading this that I thought it was a head. Yeah, and I, I'm like, maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it does. So I did a mini deep dive about hands, um, hands in literature. And I found a lot of like really general generic stuff. So I'm going to just share a little bit. Um, one thing that I found is from University of Michigan, but it's just U Mitch, U-M-I-C-H dot E-D-U. Um, and I think this is just somebody's like thesis or something. It was called hands in literature. The hand is the most frequently symbolized part of the human body. It gives blessing and it is expressive in general. It is strength, power and protection or generosity, hospitality and stability. It is used in gestures of greeting and friendship. So those are all like very positive, right? So just keep that in mind. I know I'm like, I'm waving at you, and now I'm flipping you off. Right. Like, See, it can I'm really... thinking, like, all the different phrases, like, handshake, hand out. Yeah, hand job. The... <laughs> hand job. <laughs> Which is what we're calling this chapter. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I found from oandplibrary.org, the hand represents the whole human. The hand is considered the highest achievement of primate evolution. Which I thought was interesting, like the opposable thing. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the right hand and the left hand are used to symbolize dichotomies of good versus evil, gods versus demons, something that has duality. So one hand is only one side of that duality, which I'm going to come back to that in a second. You're blowing my mind. I know. The hand can symbolize all kinds of different forms of human sentiment, blessing, saluting, benediction, oaths, condemnation, malediction, final judgment, love, hate, doubt, questioning, hospitality, judgment, rejection, and acceptance. So therefore, this is my, these are my thoughts now based on that very small, I wouldn't even call it a deep dive. It was just a dive. A, a jump in a puddle. A, 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 <laughs> jump, in, a jump into You're the three foot section. Yeah, the kiddie, the kiddie pool. Um, so therefore, Throwing a corrupted hand of a craven is a violent portrayal of corrupted life. 
it would be a judgment on the Duke and the Ascended for creating the Craven, for taking advantage of the situation to scare people, for stealing children and lying about it, and for not doing anything to protect Macedonia. Like, they weren't going out on the rise, like Castile or Hawk points out to Poppy, yeah. right? Like, they didn't do anything. Well, and Poppy had already thought of that, too. Exactly. The corrupted hand of a Craven is representative of the corruption of the Ascended, the blood on their hands, and the guilt at their feet, so to speak. Which I realized afterwards was like, haha, hands and feet, which I did not mean to do. Um, they are the architects, they the ascended, they are the architects of the nightmare scape that the mortals suffer through. And so throwing, if a hand represents the whole, right. they're throwing like a corrupted hand from a craven. I hadn't thought about that. That's so many layers of like corrupt yeah. government, corrupt yeah. cover up, corrupt, you know, like, right. because they're essentially pointing out like, you create these. Again, exactly. JLA is telling us everything yeah. we need to know. Right. And right. we dumb. And we're like, <laughs> that's crazy. Like crazy. Dissenter. I can't believe he threw a hand at them. I know, right? I tried to look for hands being used as like symbolism. <laughs> I tried to look for hand jobs. No. <laughs> You're the only one. That's <laughs> <laughs> that I'm sorry. Where I went. That's what this chapter should have been called. Well, Get your mind out of the gutter, Whitney. I couldn't think or I couldn't find anything specific that like made any sense. So I just like thought off the top of my head. And so the two things that I thought of kind of in pop culture. Um, so <laughs> you're going to have a field day with this. I feel like <laughs> 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 the, jokes. the hand of glory. Oh, I know. Right. So the hand of glory is in a lot of different like lore mm -hmm. stories, whatever. I'm pretty sure it's an episode of Supernatural. Right. It's the hand of God is what they call yeah, it. Yeah. The hand of God. Well, if the hand of glory is supposed to be like um, the hand of like a thief that was executed for their crimes or whatever. Oh. And if you have it, you're able to take anything or something. Well, yeah, because in the Supernatural episode, they take the soul of Lucifer. Right. I don't what Honestly, i know shame on you i have book detail i have a pop culture <laughs> reference that i'm really hope you're gonna point out and if not oh i only have two and that okay. was one all right so it's probably not it keep going um the other one that i thought of just off the top of my head is from pride and prejudice the 2005 movie um, with kira knightley with kira knightley yeah okay. and matthew mcfaden faden or fadden i'm not sure how to say it um he is mr darcy and so there's a scene toward the end of the movie where mr darcy and um Oh my gosh, Elizabeth Bennett. What um, kind know, of book like, reader oh, are you? What's her and name? For the record, the I couldn't remember it either. I couldn't remember it either. Uh, so they like don't hate each other at this point. They do like are into each other. And she shows up at his house thinking he's not there to like, because apparently you just like can take tours of rich people's mansions when they're not at home <laughs> back in Jane okay. Austen. I mean, we wouldn't so, know. Home Rama. Right. I'm well, like, so I, li I feel like my house is fine. But like, if you show up and want to take a fucking tour, I'm right. going to tell you to leave. Well, his house is fantastic. So he shows up and she's like, oh crap. And she tries to run away because she's like super embarrassed that she's there. And so anyway, the, he, he runs Do you think she her. wanted to look in his like long John's drawer or something? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yes, she did. Maybe, maybe. So she, he eventually walks her back to her carriage and he like takes her hand and helps her up the carriage. And when he walks away, he like flexes his hand and it's supposed to be like a, he feels like the charged energy between them, like I, the kind of sentiment. It of is like, like the part of that yes, book like and I'm, movie. I'm never going to wash this hand again because it touched this, you know, Ew. right? Like <laughs> that kind of thing. 
And so I, I thought that that specifically embodied this whole thing of like the hand is representative of the whole person, right? Like right. that, that hand flex and the camera in the movie like focuses in on that. And that's like the only thing that you can see in the shot, but it represents his feelings for her. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that fit the idea of like the hand is representative of something much bigger, but um, those were the only idea, the only ideas. <laughs> that so where the hand is bigger than the whole is in friends when Joey is in Vegas. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> he finds his hand twin. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's not that he finds his hand twin, it's the song he sings. This hand is your hand. This hand is my hand. Oh, no wait, that's your hand. No wait, that's my hand. <laughs> I love that you and I could do a duet without even practicing that shit. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I did not think about that at all. And Regina Falange. Yeah, Phoebe's always Regina Falange. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so the guy, the dissenter throws the hand at the Duke. And then chapter 19 is basically Poppy, Hawk, and Tawny talking about this dissenter and the accusations that he's made against the Duke. And that this is where Poppy says what we already talked about. Like, he can't you can't just say stuff like that right like you have yeah. to have evidence and this is where hawk says well you know if they would just let people see their third sons and daughters like yeah. one yeah. freaking time that's it, all you gotta do it wouldn't be an issue and poppy's like mm, that's a really good point yeah. <laughs> like, yeah i don't want to admit that you have a really good point but it is an excellent point and then um chapter 19 finishes out with poppy talking to the duchess where she's basically like i've noticed that my gift is changing and I thought maybe you would have some information about that. And the Duchess is basically like, yeah, that's totally normal. Don't worry about it. But also don't talk about this with the Duke because he'll freak, he'll freak out. About so it. I want to know Whitney story time for blood and ash. <laughs> I want to know why the Duchess asks Poppy to see if she can feel anything from her because that's super weird knowing that, they know that Poppy can't feel anything from the Ascended. So why did she ask Poppy to do that? It makes me wonder if the Duchess is hiding a secret like Queen Ileana was, where she maybe she's not Ascended or something. But also... She's definitely Ascended. Well, I mean, she is. But like, what is it that made her do that, right? Um, well, to answer that question, I don't know. Um, because we don't ever... At this point in all of the books... She has not been able to feel anything from any ascended in any situation. Right. So why would so why would the Duchess ask her to do that? What was she so paranoid about? I really don't know. Um, I I am still not super clear what the Tiermans know or have been told about Mm -hmm. Poppy, Um, because if she knows that Poppy is Isbeth's child. Does she also know that she is that Poppy is Eerie's child? Does she know that she's the granddaughter of Niktos? And if she does know that, she might be questioning like you should have a crap And that's ton of power. that's what I was wondering about. I think that she does know and she's nervous cuz she's like holy fuck it's all about to come down around us. Maybe. And if you bring it up to the duke, he's going to realize that too and kill you. May, I mean, maybe, but would he even have been able to kill her 
based on the power that she has. I mean, we've talked a million times about how, you know, Poppy, they, in the books, you think at first she's the harbinger of death. It's actually Ileana or is bitch as we like to call her. But we, Poppy gets so nervous about her anger, overriding her feelings for things and making her power lash out. And we've said a million times that if she had gone to ascend and they had tried to do these things to her, she would have fucked up everybody because she wouldn't have learned how to control anything. And they would have really put themselves in danger by not teaching her how to do that. Like Hawk did or Castile at that point. Spoiler alert. Yes, that's true. But also, but, but also part of the, part of her issue with her anger is not anything she can do anything about because we learn in a light in the flame um, I think it's Niktos. Somebody tells Serafina, you are not like messed up. You have primal power in you. And right. that's why you are like kind of detached and have like. But my point rage. is, is that that Castile really helps Poppy understand her anger and how yeah, to like harness true. it in a, in a quote unquote healthy way. I wouldn't say it's healthy, <laughs> but, but healthy for the situation, because I really think that if she had gone to the Ascension without the support of those yeah, people around her, she would have killed everybody because she would have gotten mad and not been able to control her. much yeah. like the, the roof of the temple when she gets to Atlantia, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. freaks the fuck out. Yes, this is true. Yeah. And I think she really, would have just like ended the world, unfortunately. Maybe she still will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I hope not. I, I kind of need her and Castile to do it a few more times first. Yeah. The more I think about this whole thing with the Duchess, <sighs> is I'm wondering if she's just unsure because obviously, like, she knows. Wait, does she know about the culling? Like, yes. do they understand that? That, that well, sort of. Yeah, she would know about the culling because either. Duchess Tierman either knows the actual truth about Poppy. Keep going. Or she knows like a partial truth about Poppy. This is why I think she knows the whole truth. So you give me yours and then I'll give you mine. Well, so the, uh, in a book two, a kingdom of flesh and fire, Duchess Tierman shows up at Spess's end with like the hundreds of right. ascended. Well, they're not really ascended, but the hundreds of guards. Right? That's right. That's where she dies. Yes. Yeah. And so she tells Poppy that Queen Ileana is her grandmother and that Coralina basically like was her mom, but Coralina was. Why make that lie? That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm like. Did she actually know the truth and made that lie up or did she think that was the truth? So we know that the Duke and Duchess know certain truths and that Isbeth has been really just fucking with everyone's head. So a big truth that I feel like the Duke and Duchess know is whenever she is talking to Poppy about the first maiden, who is technically Serafina, right? I thought it was Millie. Okay, so here's why I think maybe Duchess Tierman thinks it's Serafina, because you're right, it is Millie. So she says, we do not speak of her Ever. Her name is not worthy of our lips, nor the air we breathe. And it is because saying Serafina's name wakes her up. So that is true about Serafina. Right. So I feel like Isbeth is telling the Duke and Duchess enough where they feel like they're important and they need to know things. And so they're like, she has told them enough to where the Duke and Duchess will not go digging more 
on the first maiden, even though she has told them the wrong information about who the first maiden is, because they're like, well, if you say her name out loud, she is going to wake up and fuck you up, which she does, right? Poppy says her name out loud. So, yes, that... (laughs) But no. Well, no, I mean, not necessarily. We just don't have enough information yet, because that's all true. You know, I'm very confident. Oh, I know. (laughs) But it never works out in my favor. (laughs) (laughs) Not in books. It works out in my favor in, like, real life. In (laughs) in the book world, it never works out. The, The problem with that theory, but again, this may not be a problem. We just don't know yet. And maybe book three from the Flesh and Fire series will answer this. We know that Serafina and Niktos went through a lot to completely erase her identity as Serafina. But Serafina was supposed to be the first maiden, wasn't she? I mean, sort kind of, of, yes, because she was being groomed for Niktos, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she be- when she got ascended and became like the primal of life and death or whatever. We are told, Reaver tells Poppy, like, she chose to stay anonymous and they, like, erased everything about her life. And Niktos tells Poppy that he and the consort, uh, like, plunged the world into, like, the Dark Ages and removed all the information about all the primals and all that stuff. So, theoretically, nobody should know anything about Serafina at all. But I feel like there's enough going around where they're like, we don't say her name out loud i feel like that had to come out from somewhere everybody that knows the consort knows that she wants to stay anonymous and knows that speaking her name will wake her up and that they do it out of respect for her not so much out of fear for her so it makes me wonder then what the duchess motivations are right here because she tells very blatant lies like she says like the first maiden's actions put her on a path that ended with her death. The dark one killed her, which we know. Well, we don't know who Duchess Tierman is saying is the dark one, essentially. She right. She wants Poppy to believe that it's Castile. Right. Exactly. But we don't know if that's actually what Duchess Tierman thinks or if she's just outright lying or. And an. I mean, we're story time. Uh, we're from Blood Nash. Do, I'm just thinking like, we're going to have to do like 55 bonus episodes. <laughs> it just, it's just so much. Right. When the season ends, the cast POV is coming out. So, you know, for a fact, we'll be doing an episode about that. Um, <laughs> Whitney's taking notes about future things that we need to do, which is why we love her. Mm-hmm. Millie as the first maiden. Well, okay. because I think we've talked about this before and I don't want to get into it because it'll make the episode like so long. Um, uh, you don't know my but life. The, but the, the gist of it is Castile, when he was being held captive by Isbeth, he was supposed to ascend Millie and he couldn't because they were torturing and starving him. So his blood was not potent enough to actually ascend Millie. So Millicent actually like would have died instead of being ascended, because that was the original plan before Poppy was born. So technically, the Dark One Castile did kill Millie, but it wasn't him. It was Isbeth, because of her treatment of him. Right. Which is why his brother is treated very differently. And we don't know yet how the revenants are made, which is what Millie is, right? Right. Not not really, yeah. Again, I want to say for the third time this episode, JLA, you blow my I know, right? I know. Well, so the the whole thing with like the Duchess, who she thinks the first maiden is, and if anybody would have known, if Isbeth would have known, if if 
Serafina was a first maiden or whatever. That all boils down to Malek and what he knew about his mother and what he would have told his heartmate, which we don't know. Right. But Millie, for the record, does not know that she's Malek's heartmate or hasn't acknowledged it, right? Well, no, this, I'm talking about two different people. Oh, Malik. Millie, Millie and Malik are heartmates. We don't Which, know if she again, knows that. Again, why the fuck are their names so similar? I know, right? God. That's um, why I call, that's why I want to call the, the brother Malik. Malik, I know, to make it, yeah. yeah. So but it's old, not, unfortunately. Know, like, in every other person that has that name, that's how they say it. Right. <laughs> so, old King Malik didn't tell anybody. And he was married to Elowana and did not tell her. Who is Castile's mother. When he was married to her, he did not tell her who he actually was and Mm -hmm. like that he was Niktos' actual son and not just a descendant, whatever. That's kind of a big fib in a marriage. But he did tell Isbeth, at least, Mm -hmm. like Niktos was his dad. So maybe he told her about his mom and her history, whatever, if he knows, if he even knows all of that. Maybe right. they didn't even tell their yeah. kids. I don't know. Like, we don't know that. So I can't wait to find out. I feel I like this is like a 25 minute answer to. <laughs> I what, don't remember what, what the have, question was. What could have been like a really simple question. So I'm really sorry. I think <laughs> honestly, I think it all came from. I apologize. It, it all started with why does why is um, the Duchess so freaked out? about trying to see if right. Poppy can read her. Well, uh, and, and that's what I want to find out, because I don't think we really have an answer yet. Well, so again, just like we talked about with the Duke, like what is the deal with the Duke and Poppy? Because I still think there's some kind of weird emotional connection. The same thing is true of the Duchess in this scene, because it talks about how she's gripping the arm of her chair. Yeah, she breaks And she's the breaking the chair, because she's gripping it so hard when they're having the So what is she so scared of? That's, that's what, what I want to know. Right, so she's having some kind I don't. we don't know. I really hope that JLA listens to this and she's like, <laughs> and here's what I hope that she's like, you have no fucking idea what yeah, you're talking about. I, I like, I want her, like she continues to blow my mind as much as, right. because here's the thing before the podcast, we still talked about this shit. It's I not know, like this is, we have a podcast. Right, that, that, this is not brand new information to us. Right. And so it's not like we never thought about these things before, but like, what does JLA have up her sleeve? That's what I want to know. And, She's a I mean, if if anyone is on her um, Jay Landers uh, Facebook yeah. page, she also is starting a new series this year, which I I'm know, so fucking dude. pumped about. Yeah. I cannot wait because this one's going to end and I'm probably going to cry myself to sleep. I know I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> I, I hate to say and this is the pretentious part of me. I hate to say that a series that came out in the last five years is in my top series of all time right because forever the witching hour by Anne rice has been my favorite book of all time and this series bumps it out yeah and i and i don't like that because i want to be pretentious (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with liking a new series it's just like the witching hour has been my favorite for 20 years right that's the beauty of books in general like there's always something new to come out to like you know woo us in but then there's always that familiarity i mean you both this is only the third time I've read this, which I think is like preposterous. Loser. I know. And you guys have read it so, so many times. But that's what's cool about it is because you can, yeah. you know, and then you can find something that, you know, that blows your mind even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like book talk is really for me. I'm like there are so many amazing books out there and you should not be funneling yourself inside of Mm -hmm. like what you 
would normally read. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. No, there's a ton of. If books. you're not on Bookstagram, you need to go follow some book accounts and just get sucked in. Yeah. Start with following. <laughs> this our is how I found thing. our nerdiest thing. <laughs> this is right. how I found hockey romance. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And we follow we follow a lot of people on Instagram, yes. and it's because we like to follow indie authors, and there's yeah. a lot of really wonderful fiction out there that no one knows about yet. Yeah. So go follow some indie authors. They're great. Yeah. Um, should we go into our nerdiest thing of the week? Because that's this episode this. might have been mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think mine and Mindy's might be the same thing. So do you want to go first? Well, yeah, I think our mine starts out the same as yours. So this week was spring break here in for our schools here in Louisville, Kentucky. And we wanted, you know, none of us were going anywhere. <laughs> and, um, and Whitney couldn't join us. And it made me really sad. But uh, because uh, because she has kids that were actually at home, <laughs> mine and Mindy's kids are old enough to be home alone. Yeah, um, I only have one left in the house, anyways. Quit bragging. Sorry. Well, and then well, sorry, you'll get there. And Deb's Deb's daughter came with us, so that was fun too. Anyway, we and another friend of ours and Deb's daughter went drove down to Lexington, and we went to Joseph Beth Booksellers. And if you've never heard of this or know, or know about it, it is an amazing bookstore. It's like two stories. You can get lost in there. There's a cafe. They've got all these little seating areas and all these fun places that you can sit. And we basically like went, had lunch, sat our asses down in front of this fire, and read, and then shopped, and then read some more. And uh, so it was super fun. I mean, we spent hours and hours there. And, and then we went to book some uh, high, high price, price books, books. Um, and closed that down, too. But um, <laughs> the, we- the really, really, really nerdy thing is, is that I started a book while we were there. Uh, it's a book. It's a reread of a book called Beautiful Disaster by Jamie McGuire. And I'm rereading it because there's a movie coming out. And this is like a book I read. Like I need you to let me borrow it now that you're done with it. Yeah, totally. Um, I read it like I think. I think it's from like 10 years ago. I mean, it, it's a, from around that time, eight to 10 years. So anyway, now they're making a movie about it and I wanted to reread it to kind of reacquaint myself with it. And I, so I started it there and I got about halfway through almost. And then I went home and I stayed up until 4 a.m. reading the rest of it. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> yeah. My, so my nerdiest thing really is the same thing. I will tell you for me, I have really struggled this year to find a book journal that I like. I ordered one. I've talked about this on previous episodes. I ordered one off of Amazon because the one I used last year was on back order. And now in retrospect, I should have just fucking ordered it and waited. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and order it. Um, but I got one in the... The pages are thin like a dictionary. I don't like it at all. And instead of going in like date order, it goes in alphabetical order. And I'm like, no, no, no. What if I don't read any books that start with F? Like, <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense to me. And so I made my own. I hate it because it doesn't feel like uh, buttoned up enough. You know what I mean? For me to like put in what I read for the year. And so at that store, I tried for ever to find a new book journal and so i think after this i'm just gonna go on amazon and order the one and and here's the thing about ordering off amazon it's from an independent seller which i really love which is why it was on a back order at the beginning of the year and so i just need to wait and get yeah. the get the book journal that i really really and love I, yeah and might i say if you can't find it what you want at joseph beth it might not 
be out there. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the thing. Even the cell, even the um, guy working at the register, he was like, we don't carry a lot of those. And I, and I have found over the last couple of years that if it's not something that's common, stores are just like, we'll just sell that shit online. Right. Right. It's not right. like it used to be where you could go in and there were Browse a bunch of things. Right. Yeah. Right. But I need to open the book journal and, and feel the pages yeah. and see it and do all of that. And I'm, again, super first world problem, but I need a new book journal. I really like to write about what I read about and then go back and look at it again. Um, I Might I suggest that when you order it, you order like three or four. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, have true. you seen the guy on Instagram that's like, I can't do that because I'm Poe. <laughs> like that's I'm like I can't order for it at a time Mindy because I spent a bunch of money on books this week speaking of which the book depository is going out of out of business and honestly by the time this post it might they go out of business on April 26th so if this post by then it might already be out but I spent $127 on that website but I got like 15 books and so that's why I can't afford to buy five book journals <laughs> because then I went to Joseph Beth with you and bought more books for my daughter <laughs> So I just have a couple. Um, one thing I nerded out about is the trailer for the Ahsoka show on Disney Plus, a Star Wars universe show. Um, I'm really excited about it. I just I love all the Star Wars things. But they introduced this character. Well, this character's in. Um, uh, this is going to be my nerdiest thing right now. The Mandalorian. Well, yes, but also in Star Wars Rebels. Like anyway, the live action character got introduced in the Mandalorian. With my man, Pedro Pascal. Who's Rosario Dawson, who I think is the most beautiful kick-ass Ahsoka woman on the planet. Rosario right. Dawson, yeah, yeah. Dawson, yeah. Um, the other thing is, we finally, me and my kids and husband, watched The Greatest Showman, which is like, you I don't know. You haven't seen it yet? No. What? Is it? what? Like six years old or something. Yeah. Crazy? Okay, uh, so I forgot that you didn't go on our Ashland girls trip, because we, oh, we yeah. watched a sing-along episode of that That how have you not seen that i would have really enjoyed that yeah you would have because it's amazing i wasn't able to go um but yeah i've been saying for a couple of years like we should watch this movie i think the kids would like it and robbie's like they wouldn't like that maybe and then last week robbie is like you know what i think would be a really good movie to watch is the greatest showman and i was like are you serious i've been saying this here's the difference between me and you because you're like are you serious and i would be like are you fucking kidding me So we watched it and everybody loved it. So we've really been so like, good listening to the soundtrack and I'm trying to like memorize all the songs so I can <laughs> sing along and that's I've been I can sing with that. you already. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie Here's too. the thing. Really I don't love musicals on like television, like watching rent on like HBO plus doesn't do it for me, but I went to see that with Mindy because she was like, I really, really, really want to watch this. And my husband was irritated with me because I don't watch musicals unless they're a play. Yeah. And I went to that and I came home and I was like, this is literally like one of the best things I've ever it seen. It is really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I think I might add that another nerdy thing for all three of us was earlier this evening when we were waiting to do an interview with somebody and we decided to play Whitney sing this song. (laughs) Oh, you're going to see it. Don't worry about it. As long as Whitney's cool with it. It was super fun. We had a good laugh and uh, spent a good 15 to 20 minutes uh, making Whitney sing songs. Can we tell them? certain uh, genres with certain voices. So we thought we sent the interview link to the author we were interviewing. Interviewing, but Whitney just sent it back to ourselves. 
Yeah, I sent it from my email to the podcast email instead of sending it to the author. Right. So, so we were like, where is she? Yeah, like, what, what's taking so long? And then finally I messaged her and she's like, I keep refreshing and I don't see it. Sorry. Good job, Wit. That was my bad. Again, you're really good at story time, not good at email. No, not, not good at email. But. What are we reading next week? Yeah, next week we are reading chapters 20 and 21. Bye. Bye.